Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today, it is no different. I have Mr. Dan Bravado. Dan, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure, mate. Um, Dan, before we get into what you're, you're currently doing and what your day-to-day looks like, take us back in time. Who was Dan as a young man at school? Oh, I was, I was certainly a class clown, that's for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I was definitely a goofball. Uh, I played sports my whole life, so I kind of had that, uh, you know, that mentality of, you know, I, I was an athlete when I was younger, maybe not the best athlete, but certainly an athlete uh, in my own right. Um, and was, was definitely a kid who was eager to, you know, I was that guy wearing the Derek Jeter jersey every day, thinking I was going to be a pro baseball player until I realized I couldn't hit a baseball and uh, had to pivot and became more of a football player and track guy. And so I was always kind of one of those guys who, who was always looking ahead and trying to do some, some, some big stuff. And, and it all centered around sports. I wanted to be a pro and obviously uh, being 5'10 didn't, didn't help that cause. And uh, I kind of pivoted and said, you know, maybe the sports industry is where I want to be. Absolutely. And take us through your journey in college. Yeah, yeah. So probably in high school, I played football and I did shot put. And uh, I realized that I wanted to kind of keep keep sport in my life in one way or another. And so I ended up going to college. I went to NYU in New York. And uh, I was on the track team there. I threw shot put, discus, and uh, weight and hammer for, for NYU. And saw it as an opportunity to keep the athletic side, but knowing that, you know, NYU is certainly not winning any uh, – any athletic awards, although we did win the cross-country national championship when I was there my freshman year, but that was no thanks to me throwing shot puts. Um, and so I, I knew it was kind of a good way for me to continue my passion for sports while simultaneously being in New York City, and in, I, I was a sports management major, and learning the sports world there through the access to the leagues and the teams and all the sports agencies and all of that in New York City. So it was kind of the best, uh, the best of both worlds for me to, to keep playing sports but also have the ability to, to be in the epicenter of, of the business world of sports, at least in the U.S. Nice. So you said that you're at the epicenter of sports business. I mean, New York within, I think when I spoke to Andrew Agro from, from the Jets, he said to me there's 11 pro teams within one hour of each other, right? What was it like trying to get experience in, in New York? I mean, and when you did... How did you go about it? Because even if there's 11 pro teams and, you know, it's the business hub of the world, it's still very, very competitive, right? It's not a, it's not, it's not a walk in the park. So how did you go about that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and I do a lot with the alumni program at NYU talking to them about this. Is it, It's funny. I, I see so many kids these days who, you know, not that I'm some kind of legend in the sports industry or anything, but I, I have made a name for myself. I have some connections. 
and I'll, I'll talk to kids all the time and I'll say, Hey guys, like if you have interest in, you know, I'll have a conversation with them. I'll get to know them a little bit. And I'll say, if you have interest in meeting people, let me know. And I can make intros, check out my LinkedIn, check out this. And I would, I would tell you, this is going to amaze you about 80 to 90% of them never do it. And wow. for me, it's crazy. Right. And for me, anytime anyone gave me an opportunity to even, you know, share the same air as a commissioner or as a VP of a team or a league, you bet I would be there. You know, whether that was an NYU sanctioned event or, hey, one of my classmates is interning here and they're, you know, letting them bring a friend in to meet people. Like, you got to do that stuff. Those opportunities are, are few and far between and you have to make sure you take advantage of it. It's just so critical to, uh, to network. I, I mean, I, I think networking is, is, if you had to use, you know, a talent that I have that people would describe, it's probably networking. And I think it's unbelievably valuable because that's how you get everywhere in the sports industry. Everyone says it and it's cliche. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but it's, it's completely true. It, it is completely true. And the sports industry is, is a microcosm of that where it, you know, every job I've gotten, every next step, every client, everything has all been just kind of, you know, that next step of getting to know people and progressing your relationship. And they introduce you to someone and just keep that chain going. Um, and, and the key takeaway from that, that I try to live by today is it goes both ways. Right. So I remember when I was, you know, 18, like wearing a suit that didn't fit and a shirt that didn't match with a tie and trying to get in the door at, you know, the Yankees or the giants or whatever it may be. And, I now look at those kids and rather than saying, look at this kid with this goofy suit, like I look at him and I'm like, that was me one time, you know, you gotta, you gotta respect those guys and, and give them the same kind of, you know, door openings that someone gave you because I certainly wouldn't be sitting where I am today if it wasn't for people opening doors for me. But simultaneously you have to work to get those doors to open. And when someone puts an offer in front of you to, you know, sit in on a call or meet somebody or grab a coffee, you do it and, and you work around their schedule because they're the people that have accomplished what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting that you, that you mentioned that point um, about the, the, the guys that don't really have anybody to show them the path, really. Uh, how, how has that changed you now? Like, because, you know, a lot of the times, young people who don't have that guidance never make it. Did that ever impact you and think, oh, you know, going through this journey that one day when I do get there, my approach is going to be a bit different? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny. I mean, NYU, it, you know, you may not know much about it, but it, it's, it's a very wealthy affluent school and there's a lot of nepotism. I don't come from a wealthy family. My parents are not in the sports industry. They don't know anybody in the sports industry. As far as they're concerned, I, I am the sports industry now. And so for me, it was, it was, I had to hustle, right? I had to get myself out there. I had to talk to people and, and meet people. And whether that's reaching out cold via email or LinkedIn or, you know, in my day, it was, it was making phone calls and, and sending letters and things like that. And, and so I think that for me, I always try to look for folks who are hustling. And uh, that, that's what I'm into is like guys and girls who are willing to go that extra mile. You know, I, I don't care if your dad's an attorney. I don't care if your mom's a doctor or worked at this team. Like if you're willing to put in the work, I'll give you a shot because like I said, I wouldn't be here today if someone didn't give me a shot, you know, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about networking is again, my network started with, you know, my mom being a receptionist at a doctor's office and my dad's a paralegal and to get from there to, you know, knowing some, some amazing folks in this industry took a lot of work, but 
I certainly think it's possible because I know firsthand that I did it. So I, I always harp on folks to, to really push that. And if you're willing to put in that effort, I, I will, I will give you all the support in the world. And so because of that, I'm always out looking for folks to help and, and chat with and, and have conversations. So uh, I am, I'm very, uh, very keen on that. Wow. There you go. Um, you've been in the sports industry now for a long time. You've dabbled into esports as well. So you've seen basically the past, the present, and now the future, really. If we're going to be um, looking at the perspective of eSport, that really is the future of sport. What have you seen through, through this journey? Like, what's the biggest changes you've noticed over your time? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It kind of beckons a little bit of a longer story that I'll try to keep as short as possible. But... So I came from the traditional sports world, right? I worked in, in sports sponsorship sales. I worked for Van Wagner Sports. I worked in NASCAR. I worked for uh, the brand side of Rocket Mortgage. And my whole career, I, I knew traditional sports, right? It, it started, I remember, you know, trying to get when the Yankees won the World Series, I, I remember trying to get the newspaper from when the Yankees won. That was my thing. I had to get that newspaper from New York City. And then, you know, you, you kind of go through and I had the pleasure of living in standard definition and then transitioning to high def. And, you know, when, when we went from SD to HD, you see all these issues with people wanting to, rather than going to games, they want to watch from home and they want to, you know, they want red zone and they want this and they want that where, you know, the best view you used to have was going to a game and that changed. And so probably <clears throat> when I started doing some work in esports was probably around when I was working for Rocket Mortgage when we started to explore how to sponsor esports. I realized that esports and gaming are a step ahead of traditional sports. The way that that content, content is consumed from a streaming platform, you have your chat, you have your emotes, you have, it's just such an engaged viewership experience versus the passive viewership experience you get from sitting in front of a TV. And granted, you have your second screen, whether it's your phone or your laptop, to kind of engage on Twitter or whatever it may be, but it, it's all native. It's all in one place. They've condensed it to one screen and it's, and it's amazing. And when I saw that and I really understood it for the first time, I realized that this is the progression. And I think that people in traditional sports are, are either just seeing it or they have not seen it, that the way that this generation is consuming content through Twitch, YouTube, whatever it may be, social media, that's how they want their sports content. They don't want to sit in front of a screen for four hours and watch a game. They want chat. They want highlights. They want this. They want integration. And so when I saw that paradigm shift, I realized that, hey, you know, when I got into esports, these guys, whether, whether I stay in esports forever or I transition back to traditional sports, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I have grown to love esports and gaming. And I'm very passionate about it. But they had the jump on all the, all the professional sports leagues in America and, and realistically the world. And so I, I think that is the biggest change that I've seen is how people are consuming content. And I'm very bullish on that, that style. And I mean, I think we're seeing it already with Twitch doing, you know, Amazon with Thursday night football games. They just signed deals with Real Madrid and a num number of other large uh, football clubs to, to produce content for Twitch and, and streaming platforms. And so I'm very bullish on this being the next iteration of you know sdhd radio newspaper this is our next our next moment wow makes a lot of sense makes lots of sense and you can see um this whole movement that's happening now and some resistance from some of the platforms like you're starting to see a lot of a lot of stickiness and a lot of like with facebook trying to push their gaming platform and microsoft 
trying trying to do the same, and then you got Apple who's stopping them from pushing them through the the um, the uh, Apple Store. So now it's where I think over the next few years we're going to start to see a lot more heated battles between these these big guys. So there's definitely going to be a lot of opportunities for people to get involved in the sport, but it's also going to become very tough because every man and his dog will try and take their, their, their chunk of the market. And obviously the, the bigger boys always have that advantage because they've got the audience that's here already and they've got the resources. Um, your, your view on the way forward, you said something very interesting there in that last point. You said uh, eSport behaviour, the interaction with eSport, is going to be the future in terms of how everything is happening on one screen in terms of the interaction through highlights, through chats, so on and so on. How can businesses adapt to these these trends and habits moving forward? I mean, so then what happens to our typical social media channels that everybody's spending billions of dollars on? How, how does that all change? I'm sorry, I had to ask you this question because you, you brought out a very, very important um, topic, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And, and to, to be clear, I, I think social media plays a massive role in, in gaming and in <clears throat> the, the consumption space. I, I think even if it is a one screen or two screen experience, um, it, it will be all integrated, right? So you might have your social feed integrated into the, into the viewership, have your Twitch, whether it's, you know, opening multiple windows or you have your phone and, and you are doing a traditional two screen, you have your laptop or computer. But I think that it's all about engagement, right? You know, when, when I grew up and I think about Derek Jeter and Michael Strahan, like the guys that I, that I wanted to be and looked up to, I had no connection to these guys. I knew them from what they did on the Yankees, which is why I was a Yankees fan, right? It is, I had this image of Derek Jeter diving into the stands and, you know, hitting home runs and this and that. And then you realize now, like, you can get to know your favorite players and your talent. And you can engage with them on social and you can watch them stream on Twitch and play games with them. And it's just this new level of, of involvement. And from a brand and sponsorship standpoint, it's new, right? Like how, how do we position ourselves? And I think we're seeing a massive shift into influencer and influencer deals and things like that. And it's just, if done right, I mean, Mr. Beast is a great example. If you're familiar with him on YouTube, he just does so much content and he does a great job sometimes better than others, but he does a great job integrating, um, you know, brands and, and folks into what he's doing. And, and it's that, it's that organic, like, how can you improve my fan experience, right? And, and I use this adage quite frequently. It's funny, uh, NASCAR, for example. And NASCAR, when you think of NASCAR, it's kind of like, you know, no one our age watches NASCAR. It's not, you know, back in the 90s where everyone watched NASCAR, right? And I, I worked in NASCAR and was not a fan prior to working in it, but now I can say that I am. But the, the history of NASCAR is that they used to race cars in Daytona Beach. And if you lost, like pink slips, Fast and Furious style, if you lost, you had to give up your car. And so these guys realized that uh, I want to go see my favorite racer on the beach, but he lost last week, so he doesn't have a car, right? And so then when sponsors came around, it was like, no, 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 keep racing. We'll pay for your car every week. The fans want you to be here. And, and that sponsorship was embedded into NASCAR. And when you look back at the affinity numbers for NASCAR fandom, they were so well tied to their brands that sponsored their cars for that reason, because they fundamentally believe that this driver would not be on the track if it wasn't for Tide, if it wasn't for 
Quicken Loans if it wasn't for whoever it is. And, and that rings true in esports because when you think about, you know, these streamers and these gamers, whether that's Tim the Tatman, Ninja, whoever it may be, these guys stream full time. I mean, this is a eight, 10, 12 hour day experience. That's no joke. I mean, I, I play games all the time, but if you told me I got to sit there and play eight, 10 hours of games every day, seven days a week, and I, I would go crazy. That's, that's hard to do. And because of sponsors, they have the ability to do this because if they're not making, whether that's, you know, subs on Twitch and donations, things like that also power them. But sponsorship helps them to be able to say, you know what, I don't need a full-time job in the conventional sense because Chipotle is sponsoring me, or I don't need to, to go work at, at a law firm or whatever it may be. I can stream for you and entertain you for eight, 10 hours a day because of you know, rocket mortgage by Quicken Loans, whoever it may be. And, and I think having that native integration and being a part of the story and helping these, these people, these influencers, this talent is going to be crucial to kind of doing it, the doing sponsorship properly moving forward. And I, I think it's just, you know, how can you improve the experience? It's, you know, no longer just a 30 second commercial or a 60 second commercial. It's make my experience better, whether that's, you know, by sponsoring an influencer, by providing something I really like at a discount or, you know, free Wi-Fi, whatever it may be. Here's a free gig from Verizon, uh, whatever it may be. I, I think it's, it's all about improving that, that viewership experience and that fan experience. Absolutely, man. You summed it up very, very well. Student athletes now playing, many of them play in many conventional sports, your footballs, your basketballs, baseball, whatever. Um, but now there's eSports. There's many, many student athlete leagues, or well, that's where the focus is now with these young people getting involved. Um, what's what's your what's your thought on, on this part of the um, industry now? It's not the NCAA hasn't quite grasped uh, the whole concept, and they don't have any control over the, the actual um, student athlete esport leagues. But, you know, with all organisations, they tend to evolve and the big governing bodies always somehow end up getting involved. What's the future of that? Like, how do you see things panning out there? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's something that I get asked quite frequently. And, and it's interesting because, you know, and I'll go back to traditional sports, which is what I grew up playing. I, I, I was a football player mainly. I wanted to go to the NFL, right? And so for me, it was you play high school football you make varsity, you go to college, you play D1, D2, D3, ideally D1, and then you get, you go to the combine, you get drafted, right? That, that's a path. It's clear as day. Whether I can get there or not is a whole other story, but, but the path. <laughs> and and that's, that's kind of the, I don't want to say the problem with esports and gaming is that path isn't as well defined right now, right? For Fortnite, you got to qualify. And, and it's what I think is really cool about Fortnite is it's open qualification. You can go this weekend. I don't know if it's running this weekend, but you can go and you can attempt to, to qualify for the World Cup, which got canceled this year, but hopefully we'll be back. And you literally can see how you're progressing, which I think is really interesting and native. Uh, and Fortnite and Epic have done a great job with that. And then you look at, I've done work with Call of Duty League, and you look at Call of Duty League, and it's kind of this, okay, I'm really good at Call of Duty, then I got to get involved in the amateur scene, and I got to get noticed in the amateur scene. And then I kind of got to grow my following and get a name and have a pro team. It, it, it's not as, it's not as uh, direct and linear, which makes it tough. And I think there's a number of organizations, Collegiate Star League, Play Versus, 
and companies like that who have tried to build this playbook for, for growth. And I think, I think that it's just in its infancy, right? And, and you know, I, I'm not a history buff, but I imagine a hundred years ago, you know, my great, great grandfather, whatever it may be, he probably played, you know, football, soccer, baseball, whatever it was. And for them, it was probably the same way. It was like, they see, you know, the Yankees and they're like, oh, you know, how do I get on this team? And at the time, the Yankees, you know, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, these guys had other jobs, right? They weren't full-time athletes. So it, it was kind of similar in the sense that how do we progress? And I think that a lot of companies are laying the groundwork right now to build that, you know, linear progression to the pros. And it will just take a little bit of time to really see it shake out. But I, there, there are companies actively doing it and, and they're doing a good job. They're doing a bad job in some areas, but that's part of growth, right? Nobody's going to figure this thing out overnight, but I, I think having that linear path is going to be something we're going to see soon. And I think you will inevitably see NCA involvement. You will inevitably see, um, you know, people trying to monetize and, and, and take advantage of the system. But it's interesting. I, I am very bullish on the athlete and influencer and gamer side of the world moving forward. And that's everything from a collegiate NCAA football player to a pro gamer to a you know soccer player who wants to play for the U.S. men's national team. You as an athlete have more power than you've ever had in your life. It's, it used to be, you know, the Yankees, right? I, I go back to the Yankees. I wore a Yankee shirt. Everyone in the Yankees was my favorite because it was the Yankees. That's not true anymore. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not a Steelers fan, but I love that guy. He's got great energy. He's a gamer. He's personable. His social media is tremendous. And that's the kind of power that they have. And now Juju is, is as big as the Steelers are. His brand, his social following is very strong. And, and that's something that athletes are realizing more and more. And you see it specifically around, you know, Black Lives Matter and social responsibility where the players, people are listening to LeBron. People are listening to Steph Curry. They're listening to all of these guys. It, it's not, I don't care what the, what the Lakers have to say about Black Lives Matter. I care what LeBron has to say and Anthony Davis. Uh, and, and I think that's a paradigm shift that is new and, and well, newer relatively. And, and I believe there's just so much there. And as athletes and future athletes, you guys have that power and you have that clout and you should leverage it for the right reasons as much as possible. I mean, granted, people are going to make mistakes, but that, that's, the, that's the goal is people are willing to listen to you as an individual. Yeah, but, you know, you raise a great point and there's no better example of than right now a hashtag we want to play uh, started by Mr. Lawrence and a few others and looking at now, you've got the presidents involved. There's a good chance they will end up playing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they've never had this much power. I could almost see... The, that whole we want to play becoming some sort of student union or something that becomes a voice of its own. It's well way overdue, you know, it should, it should, it should have happened a long time ago, but um, we're living 2020 is a year for change. And we're really seeing a lot of things that we never thought would happen in a long time, really change and many interesting things are happening. So anyway, um, You've been amazing. You've shared a ton of insight with us, um, really uh, pr provided a ton of value. Before we wrap things up, what's three tips you can give to a young person trying to build a career in sport? Yeah, I think number one is network. That That is number one. It might even be number one, number two, number three, but <laughs> network. And, and, and one thing I will say is when you reach out to someone, reach out to someone with purpose. Because I get a lot of LinkedIn ads 
and it will people just adding me on LinkedIn with no context. And, it, and it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Is why, what do you want to connect with me about it? And what you need to do is, is kind of correlate the real world to social media, right? In the sense of if you're at a bar and you see someone, oh, I want to talk to that person. You don't just walk up and say, you want to be friends. That's not how the world works, right? It's like, hi, I am so-and-so. I know you from this. I'm interested in this. And then you have a conversation, right? And I think that applies to, to cold outreach and, and LinkedIn and social. It's like, if you want to get to know me, I, I will absolutely take the time. Shoot me a note, but tell me why. Say, oh, I'm a student and I was inspired by this or, or I saw that you worked here. That goes a long way. So I, I think networking is the utmost importance, but, but explain why. What's the purpose of your networking? Um, number two is seize opportunities, right? It, it, there's there's going to be opportunities that, that face you and it might be, you know, I, I've been there. I was, I, was a, I was in college, like, it might be the difference between going out on a, on a Friday night with your buddies or sitting in on this lecture or something that, that someone you're passionate about is speaking at. And, and sometimes you got to take those sacrifices and, and go and sit in that lecture and go and have coffee and go do this and, and whatever it may be. But seize those opportunities because I can't tell you how many people I know. One, one of the things that I tell people all the time is, so I now work at 76 Capital a Sports Venture Firm and I run the consulting and advisory business for them. The reason I know 76 Capital is because when I was in high school, I interned at the Sixers in Philly, and it was a weird high school internship program that they offered. I got connected in, I took the opportunity, but my boss at that internship, when I was 17 or 16 years old, I ran into the, on the bus in New York City, 10 years later, and I was like, Matt, great to see you. I haven't seen you forever. How are you? We got coffee. Matt ended up introducing me to 76 Capital four years ago, and now I sit here as the president of their advisory business. And it's just that never would have happened if it wasn't for some serendipity and for seizing the opportunity of working for the Sixers. And so I think that so much of what you do is a long play of your choices and, and what you end up taking advantage of. So always do that. And then lastly is don't let your ego get in the way. I started my career in, in sports and my, I worked for a company called Van Wagner Sports. And Van Wagner was an old school company. And it was, you know, suit and tie every day, couldn't have a beard, which is bad for me because I got no jawline, I'm goofy looking. And, and it was all about like, you know, getting coffee. I, I would go and the president of the company, I would get coffee for him. And, and I never thought twice about it because the opportunities that I was given from, from getting coffee and pre preparing decks for him and whatever it may be, was my return was I got to listen and learn from him. And people, kids these days, and, and I'm guilty of it sometimes too, is we think we're above things. We're, you know, we see Zuckerberg, we see, we see all these guys who have built these crazy things and we're like, oh, I can do that, I can do that. And, and you don't realize that, sure, you can, but at some point you got to learn from people. And, and if it takes, you know, grabbing coffees, building decks, you know, scheduling meetings, whatever it is, do it. Because the access that you'll get to the folks that you're helping is, un, is unreal. It's unbelievable. And even like, I have people reaching out to me right now who are like, you know, COVID has hit hard. I don't have a job. I need money, but I will, I will help you out for free just to learn and gain experience. And, and to me, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice. And, and I don't want to take free labor from anybody, but I get it. And, and I've been there where you have to do those kind of things. And those are the kind of people that I respect. It goes back all of that hustling mentality of, right. You, you just got to do what you got to do. And, you know, it's not always the glamorous stuff, but it'll go a long way in your career. I guarantee it. It's very hard before it gets easy. Yeah. Yep. It's no joke, man. It is. No, I, I quit my job. I was making six figures in New York City. I quit my job to start my company. And 
had to go back to living on, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars a year, which is not fun for anybody. But these are the sacrifices you got to make. Absolutely. Dan, you've been amazing. Once again, thank you very much. You've shared a ton of insight with us. Unfortunately, we, we have to wrap things up. Before we let you go, where can we find you online? Where can people get in touch with you? What's the best channel? Uh, Twitter, at, at dbravado is my Twitter, and at LinkedIn, Dan Bravado. Feel free. Hit me up. Love to chat with people. We'd love to get to know some folks. So um, I'm, I'm always available. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dan Bravado from 76 Capital, thank you very much once again for joining me on the Sports Finder podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for-